Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green Podcast. This is episode four now. That's two times two for those of you who didn't graduate third grade. Thank you for listening again. Uh, I'm Reed Smith, your host as always, and I'm joined by my co-host, Milo Mahaltis. How are you today, Mr. Milo? I'm doing phenomenal. I'm doing great. We've uh, we've got some some pretty good weather here in Southern California. Um, we're, we're getting those fall temperatures finally. It seems like after some bipolar weather, um, but you know, fall always gets you in a good mood. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think that it's finally kind of shifting to fall weather over here. Since you don't live here anymore, let me give you the lowdown. It's been about like mid 80s here in Denton. It's gotten down to like 70, 60 uh, in the late afternoon and then down to like 50 at night. So it's been one of those weird times where you pretty much got to bring a jacket with you everywhere you go, but it's still hot enough to where in the daytime you're still wearing short sleeves. But I'll tell you what, man, I- I'm jealous of that SoCal weather. It never rains there, I hear. No, I have not seen rain in... I don't know. It's It's been a while. I want to say it's probably rained once since we got that hurricane that came <laughs> in. Hurricane Hillary, I think that's what it was called. Who uh, named the Hurricane Hillary, dude? I don't know. Um, maybe a Hillary Clinton fan. But oh, uh, we, <laughs> not, not, to get, not to get a little political. On, <laughs> don't shoot me. But, but yeah. But uh, so we haven't seen a lot of rain. And uh, one more thing about the weather. The winds today mm-hmm. yeah. are very reminiscent of Denton weather. I remember when I spent my time in Denton, it's always windy. Always, I don't know. I don't know. How you feel about the wind, but it was always windy in Denton. I remember stepping outside, going to class, <laughs> walking across campus. The wind just whoosh, blowing me. So, oh, hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but the thing about the wind um, at Denton is, you and I are. Uh, I think people don't see us when we do these podcasts. So you and I are big hat guys. Obviously, neither of us are wearing hats right now, but we're big hat guys. When I wear a hat, especially at Lovelace Stadium, that thing is blowing around. Um, It's blowing around, huh? Oh, yeah, it's blowing. It's it's, it's giving you a real job, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) It's swirling. Um but papers, everything else, you know, it, it's hard to keep your your things in your hands and in, in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I uh, actually, you mentioned that we're big hat guys. For years, I, I did not wear hats. I started wearing hats about a year or something ago. And I did that because of the wind. I got tired of the wind. It was messing up my hair. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start wearing hats. And uh, yeah, so I always like putting them on. But yeah, that's weather for you. That's our weather yeah. recap. Yeah, and you had that. Yeah, the, this is your weather recap by another Mean Green podcast. T- tune in next week for another weather report. But I want to start today off by saying I tweeted an absolute banger last night. Oh, he's doing numbers. I'm doing numbers, and I'm not just saying I'm doing numbers. And, and let me preface this with saying I have covered this athletic program at UNT for the better part of four years now. In 2024, it will be four years at UNT. Any UNT tweet I've ever put out has never, like, circumpassed, I believe, like, 400 likes. I think the biggest one I ever tweeted out was 400 likes. Um, but, you know, I'm a big Ranger fan, big Texas Ranger fan. It's funny. I'm a Texas Ranger fan. Milo's a New York Ranger fan. But Real Rangers. 
No, no, we're the real Rangers. I mean, just look at the playoffs. Check that postseason. Um, but the Rangers last night, they, they clinched a spot in the American League Championship Series, swept the Orioles. But the entire time, John Smoltz, and I respect John Smoltz. Let, let me say that right now in the pod. I, I respect John Smoltz a whole lot. Um, he is a he was a great pitcher. He's a good pitching analyst. But oh my god, Milo, dude, the entire game, he is going, Oh, well, the Orioles are just, you know, you know, he'll he'll go back and uh they'll be back here and the the young core of the team, they're so good. They gotta feed the narrative. Yeah, and Exactly. And one of the things he said last night, and this is what I tweeted about, is he said, if this series was played 10 times, the Orioles would win it nine out of 10 times. Yeah. How do you how do you get to that conclusion when the Rangers swept and pretty convincingly swept? There was only one close game that entire yeah, series. Swept, yeah. So, you know, I tweeted that out. I shared my thoughts to the kind people of Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's up to like, is, is this podcast is recording like 1500 likes. So it's a little bit like disencouraging that I can tweet like random major league baseball takes and it gets all these likes, but my UNT coverage doesn't when I put so much more effort into that. Well, I think a lot of that, you know, the effort is there, right? The effort's there, but a lot of it has to do with the audience, of course. And, and also right place, right time, kind of, you know, you're tweeting about this as the Texas Rangers are probably a top 10 trending topic on, on Twitter at the time. So I'm sure your tweet was probably the first one to pop up for the majority of Twitter users when they went to go to that uh, trending tab. But yeah, that does kind of suck, doesn't it? You know, you put hours and, and days and years into UNT content and one Texas Rangers tweet does like numbers in comparison to UNT post. That's so, true. That's yeah. true. But it's what it is. Congratulations on your newfound fame. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I am quitting this podcast to become a full-time influencer. Um, sometimes you just got to do things that are best for you. And, you know, after one tweet that got past a thousand likes, I mean, I think I'm going to be up there with, uh, with uh, like, Moist critical and all those influencers. That yeah, you're gonna be a brand hanging. ambassador. Yeah. There you go. Before you know it, I'll have uh, ads for uh, sex toys in my comments. Yeah. There you go. Just like every tweet that blows up. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the gridiron. Um, UNT played Navy last week. Lost a really close one. 27-24 was a very winnable game. They started slow. They continued to be slow but they kept their that pardon they kept themselves in the game the entire way had a chance at the end for a game-winning drive didn't happen four and out or I, th- I think it was seven and out right because they converted on fourth down um yeah yeah well, that so, was nice that was nice yeah yeah they, you know, they had I, a really I good game point out, i want to point out that um eric morris's ability to not shy away from going for it on fourth down. Um, I noticed that he did that against Navy and then the game before against Abilene Christian. Yeah, It's always good. It's good to see and know that you've got a coach that he's ballsy, right? He's not afraid yeah. to 
to go for risks like that. So, and it paid yeah. off in the, it, I mean, it kind of paid off in the Navy game. They didn't win obviously, but they put themselves with that going forward on fourth down and converting. They put themselves in a pretty damn good position, as good of a position as you can get to potentially winning that game. So, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, going three for five on fourth down, like you said, I mean, a coach that can show that aggression is, is a coach that I would rather have coaching a team. Because I, I get the conservative coaches, but I've always been like in situations where you feel like, you know, maybe you're playing a little bit behind, especially with the defense that UNT has, you know, going for it on fourth down to get yourself more offensive time, more offensive possessions. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that shows a commitment to trying to win. Yeah. On the other hand though, um, you know, I talk, I talk about how they put themselves in a prime position to potentially win the game. Um, it's one thing to get that position, and then it's another thing to actually do something with it. And they definitely blew that game-winning drive. Um, they did. You know, we, t- we talk about literally in real time, that's what's happening. We go, Chandler Rogers' legacy drive right here. And <laughs> all of a sudden, by the time we send that message out to each other, the drive's over. The drive's over, and I think they rushed the hell out of it. And they actually they could have done something. They had plenty of time, and they rushed it even after even after there was the the sack on the, on the first down, right? They still yeah. had plenty of chances to slow it down and not rush it. And I don't know what the hell they were doing, but it it definitely looked like they they didn't have their heads in the right place for sure. And just look looking at this drive chart on the last. Uh on the last drive here for UNT with a minute and 58 left, they were down three points. Uh, so loss of seven yards on a sack. And well, let's get to that real quick. Chandler Rogers was sacked eight times and that's a new UNT record. Woo. Eight times that. Yep. Yeah, that is the most a UNT that. quarterback. Yeah. yeah I think you tweeted most... that out. And, and I was like, yeah. I was like at the time it was seven. And I remember messaging you. I'm like seven. It's like, are you kidding yep. me? Yep. And then and he gives up an, the eighth one on the worst play of the game. So, credit to uh, Zach Babb, our friend and uh, a very uh, a popular UNT figure, uh, Zach Babb for this stat. So Navy had seven sacks for each of their four games before playing UNT, and then they uh, sacked UNT eight times or sacked Rogers eight times, and you know. Some of the most of them were the offensive line's fault. I mean, Navy was really aggressive. We talked about that a little bit on the pod before they played Navy. Navy is a very aggressive defense. You knew that they were going to be coming for them. The offensive line didn't really adjust to it. Uh, just didn't look very good. Uh, and then a couple of those, uh, really the two fumbles, were kind of Chandler staying in the pocket for a little too long and then getting blasted and obviously dropped the ball two times and you know they jumped on it twice navy did and those turnovers went a long way in deciding the game really yeah um i think the defense got cooked as well oh the defense defense got cooked um i know we've spent the past three episodes shitting on this unt defense but at the end of the day we're not wrong that still didn't prove us right um they got cooked and the game went about as we expected i mean aside from i kind of predicted more of a high scoring game but you know it was pretty low scoring but at the same time it did go almost exactly as we expected with this defense we, we did 
Yeah, and we both picked UNT, so we're wrong. We were wrong. Yeah, we, we were wrong. Yeah, but it, it, like I said, in terms of the defense getting cooked and the offense carrying them, it was the same story. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, if you look at the, the rushing yards here, uh, 331 for Navy. Oh, man. And I'm, they ran the triple option. They ran it effectively. The thing about it for me, though uh, – they had a passing touchdown. Navy had a passing touchdown in the first half. Yeah. Ty Lavatai found, I believe it was Nathan Kent uh, on a fade route, and he just burned the defensive back. And, you know, Navy is not known for their throwing. And, of course, they only threw for 75 yards. But um, that touchdown was not a good look for the UNT defense. And it, it's it's kind of insane to say, but the defense only giving up 24 points was an improvement from the rest of the season. Yeah, you know? you know, that's a good point. I think it's funny that they give up 31 to Abilene Christian, an FCS school, and then Navy, they come in and they, they don't give up as much. You know, so yeah. they obviously they did work on a couple things, which good to see. Uh, and you hold Navy, uh, you know, an aggressive team like Navy, you hold them to, to that little. Um, yeah. That's always a good, good sign. But I guess we're counting moral victories here. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This is the loss, but you know we're not we're not usually a positive spin pod. Uh, no. But we're giving positive, you some positivity. Yeah, the positivity of the week is that UNT had given up 30 plus points in every game they had played this season, except against Navy, where they only gave up 24 or 27, three points away from 30, but under 30, under 30, and they did have some big performances late. Uh, Roderick Brown got to the got uh, Fofana. Uh, Debo Fofana uh, got him behind the line there at the end of the game, which set up uh, the opportunity for Rodgers and the offense to get back on the field and and try to and try to win it. But I mean, it, it wasn't a bad game for Chandler Rodgers, but I think you and I can both say that was Chandler Rodgers' worst performance so far as starter. Yeah, I mean, definitely, and it doesn't help when you take away his number one wide receiver, right? Macklin was locked down all game. Like I predicted on the podcast last week, I said Macklin was going to be most likely locked down, so just look out for that. And that is what happened ultimately. I mean, he still had a touchdown, but, like, yeah, no, they weren't putting up huge offensive numbers yeah. um, in the receiving game. I mean, 76 yards for Macklin on six receptions, three for 52 of Jordan Smart, uh, Burns uh, five for 39. So they, they didn't have – like monster games, no three-digit numbers or anything. Iowa Day had another good game. Uh, yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, he was solid. Scored that touchdown late, uh, UNT's final touchdown, in fact, uh, for for his uh, third straight game of of 100-plus yards. So good for Io. Uh He's really kind of establishing self, himself as the leader of that running back room. Good for him. But, yeah, if we're just looking at Chandler Rogers' stats here, 22 for 32, 267 yards, a touchdown. Um, and that and rushing any, touchdown was clean. Yeah. Seven-yard rush, that was clean. I like that. Yeah, it was clean as hell. So two touchdowns total for him. Uh, zero interceptions. He's still passing the ball pretty effectively. Nearly threw a pick, though. Um, was not brought in. But those two fumbles really did hurt him. But, yeah, he was under attack all game, all game. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, a lot of that was not his fault. That O-line got cooked all night or all afternoon, really. But, um, 
Yeah, his his worst game as a main green. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I I think he'll be fine continuing. I mean, that's not if you look at his line, it's not a bad line. I mean, he didn't play awful. He just didn't play as well as he did the last three games. But like we said, pressure won't help that. But let's go ahead and look ahead to Temple. Uh, Stan Drayton's Temple Owls. What are we seeing in Temple, Milo? I don't know. Uh, I haven't done my research very much on Temple, <laughs> but I will say that I think they probably – is it wrong for me to say that they might have a better chance of winning this game as opposed to Navy? No, I think that that's a pretty good assessment, I, I would think. The problem with Temple, though, Temple passes the ball a lot, and it's really going to test this secondary. Yeah, so it'll be a pretty big difference from the Navy game, Navy that relied on on the rush. Yeah. Um, so, to, you know, it'll, it'll be a good Jekyll and Hyde situation, right? They'll have to – they went up against the, the running game previous week, and now this week they're going up against the the uh, the long ball. So we'll see what we'll see what comes out of that. And then just kind of looking at Temple as a whole, uh, their bottom four in the AAC in both offense and defense, total offense and defense, I should say. Uh, they just lost to the University of Texas, San Antonio. Uh, they, at they San Antonio. At San Antonio. Yeah. Um, you, the University of Texas, Texas San Antonio. In fact. Um, they lost that game 49 to 34, 15 points. I mean, UTSA is supposed to have a pretty good defense, and they dropped 34 on them. So, yeah. So, that I mean, Temple offense is no slouch, then, right? Well, that's the thing. They're really good at passing. They're still bottom four in total in total offense. If we're just looking at it here, uh, Temple is 10th in the, in the American. Uh, and offense total, they've scored 139 points total this season. Uh, they're averaging about 23.2 a game. So nothing like that blasts out of your eyes. You really got to look at their past game led by quarterback EJ Warner. He has 1,741 yards on the season, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, the thing about him, though, is that he is um, he is top three in passing. In the AAC, he's been really impressive passing the ball. Uh, their passing offense has been the third best in the in the conference with 295.5 yards a game through the air. Uh, their receiver, um, Ahmad Anderson Jr., leads that receiving core. 372 yards on 25 receptions. So just, you know, they're, they're a good passing team. Um Pretty much, that's the only positive about them. They got a couple of guys that are are on defense who are who are leading in in tackles, uh, top ten in tackles. Uh, let me get those names for you real quick. Um, their their defensive end, uh, Taiwan Francis, and then one of their safeties, Jordan McGee, um, have been very effective at tackling. Uh, this season, something that UNT hasn't been, mind you. UNT has zero tacklers in the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they miss Katie Davis a lot. But I think just on paper, we're looking at another high-scoring one. Um, I don't see UNT scoring under under 30, and I don't see Temple scoring less than 30 either. So 
I mean, it's kind of just going to be another shootout, as a lot of games have been this season. Yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, that's better than UNT getting blown out, right? So, there's that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I, I also think that this is probably one of those games that I think it's – you kind of got to win this one because um, you got to 500, and then you dropped the one against Navy, your own one in conference play already. Um you know, you want to you want to start off on the right foot, and I yeah. think this is a, this is a game that I personally am not looking at it saying there's no way UNT wins this game. I'm not looking at it like that. I think UNT they got a pretty good shot at winning this game if you know if they put themselves in a good enough position to win, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, you said just now that you think this is a game they 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 should win. To me, this is a game they have to win, Milo. They have to win this game. I mean, if you're just looking at the schedule ahead, we've talked about this all season, but uh, they then play a four-game gauntlet, and gauntlet is the only correct word for this, uh, of Temple, Memphis, UTSA, and Southern Methodist. That's uh, that's 0-4 on paper. Like, let's be honest. That's 0-4 on on paper. On paper, yeah. I'd say one and three, just because UTSA sucks, and I don't think <laughs> I don't think UNT is going to lose to them. Uh, Welcome back to Anti UTSA podcast, the podcast where we hate UTSA. Yeah, I mean, I personally do not think they're very good. I think they're overrated. Uh, congratulations, you beat Temple. Uh, I like to see you beat a real team, and not to, not to say not to say that UNT has beat a real team because they really haven't. UNT is really not necessarily be a real team um and i feel like utsa fans would tell you oh well we played houston and we uh, barely lost to them you still lost houston lost houston lost to rice yeah yeah there's that too so houston is is not good this year okay so congratulations on your moral victory of barely losing to houston but you know i ultimately end end of the day I think UNT could come away with a win against UTSA, but we're looking we're looking ahead on that. Um, you know, I just you wanna, that's just me being being a little biased. But we yeah. talk about Milo's take, but while we're on, I, I know we're a UNT podcast, but I just want to say this right now, and we don't hate UTSA, we don't. But this is an opinion podcast. Yeah, I don't hate, say, yeah. Yeah, I don't hate UTSA. We're a, we're an objective podcast. Come on, guys. Um, but I will say this right now, I know that UTSA beat Texas State. But Texas State is going to be everything UTSA wants to be this season, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think they're they're probably the UTSA of the Sun Belt, uh, except yeah. for the fact that Texas State's probably not going to get ranked. Um, no, and, and they're probably not going to win their conference yeah. this season. But yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is that Texas State has a Big Twelve win this year. Yeah, because they and I mean, who'd they beat again? Baylor. They beat Baylor. That's right. Yeah, they beat yeah. Baylor at McLean. Yeah, and that was at the beginning of the season. So yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. The, then they dropped se- then they dropped seventy seven against Jackson State. Uh, thirty five. They beat Nevada thirty five twenty four. A Mountain West school, in my opinion, the Mountain West is better than the Sun Belt. A lot of people wouldn't agree with me yeah. with that, but I think so. And then yeah. Southern Miss, they beat fifty to thirty six. Uh, good to see. So- oh, Southern Mid is still Southern Miss again. Uh, and then they dropped last week uh, 
to the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. <laughs> uh, 34-30, close game. So I don't know. They're 4-2 this season. The Bobcats and G.J. Kenny are making noise. I mean, yeah, they, they look good. And that UTSA game could have gone either way. And if they it does it does go their way, then you're looking at at a, a four and one Texas State right now. So if you ask me who won the battle of thirty five, Texas State in the long run. UTSA won the game, but I think GJ Kenny and and them they're cooking in San Mo. I think they're cooking. Yeah, they're uh, Texas State's getting better. I mean, it, it, it's cool to see them finally be a little bit relevant in the Texas college football landscape. Uh, I think for some time, Sam Houston State actually got more recognition than them. And that was just because Sam Houston was a pretty good FCS school for a while. So. How, they they gave Liberty a good game. They had it on the three-yard line with a chance to win it last yeah. week against Liberty. And they didn't. So, um, good for good for them, I guess. Good for Sam Houston for, for nearly beating Liberty. Uh I don't know. All those like South schools that are closer to where you grew up, uh, Sam Houston, Texas State, UTSA, all those, they've just been the epitome of mid to me in my head. Like they've just been not, I I know that's, they're just there. Yeah. Yeah. They're just there. And that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it's been for years. Um, It's kind of why I, you know, dislike UTSA. I don't, again, I don't hate them, but I just feel like, you know, they're kind of, they're bums for years. They're bums. And, uh, and all of a sudden Jeff trailer and, and they get Frank Harris, the sixth year senior, um, he comes in and, you know, kind of revitalizes this program, revives this program. And now UTSA, whatever UTSA fans there are, think that they can talk shit everybody and say oh well we're a good team we need to be ranked it's like no you're still a satellite school that's owned by the university of texas longhorn so slow your roll calm down there so (laughs) i don't know that's that's just my take on them that is whoa 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 don't say take yet we're not there Uh, it's it's not milo's take but it's a (laughs) separate take that is by milo I want to introduce a little, uh, a new little thing here. So for this upcoming UNT game, which player do you think has to perform in order for Temple, uh, for UNT to win over Temple? Like who's your player to watch? Ooh. um, I don't know. It would be someone on the defensive end, but I don't know any guys, but top my head off, off, uh, I don't know any, any guys by name. So I would probably say Macklin's got to bounce back from his game that he had last week. Um, I think, you know, to get him, get him going early, right. Get him going early. Cause he kind of, he got off to a slow start against Navy. Uh, you know, he only had the one touchdown, but for the majority of the night he was locked up. So I'd like to see him get going early, get that Rogers to Macklin connection going. Like we said, it's going to be a lot of passing during the game. Um, so definitely look for Macklin to kind of get going. I think he could be, he could be pivotal in this one. Oh, for sure. And, if they win. you know, maybe maybe he'll be a little more motivated this weekend because last week his cousin, Jeremy Macklin, uh, you may remember him from Missouri, uh, an NFL uh, star. He was really solid in the NFL. 
Um, Jeremy Macklin was put in the Mizzou Sports Hall of Fame or the Mizzou Tigers Hall of Fame the other day. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big deal. You know, he's got his name on the stadium now. Like, wow. Yeah, I know. That's like some, that's like some big boy stuff. And, like, uh, I mean, UTSA or UTSA, UNT only has three retired numbers. So, I mean, you know, it's an honor to get your number retired anyway. Who are they? Joe Green. Um, uh, so it's 75. Abner Hayes. Abner Hayes and uh, Ray Renfro. Oh, my God. I'm really proud of myself that I got two out of three. I mean, one of them is a given. But well, it's plastered on. Or whoops. <laughs> that's the first time I'm going to have to bleep myself. <laughs> Dang it, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it is plastered on the wall. I think I probably called Abner Haynes. Because my time during Green Brigade, when I, you know, walk through the stadium and, and go out into the field, I think I do remember seeing Abner Hayes on there, and that's why I kind of, that's why it just rolled off my tongue. Um, but yeah, so really, that's good to know. Good to know that those three are, are the ones. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that six will ever go up there? It's a tough call. It's a tough call for me because on one hand, yes, you can consider him the best quarterback to ever play for the Mean Green, but what does he have to show for it, right? I mean, sure, there's stats, but any accolades, any, like, I I know he was named CUSA MVP, right? Yeah. I think he was, yeah. So, I mean, he's got that, but again, no bowl wins, and then no conference wins, right? I don't think he won. I think he won a conference tall. Um, So no bowl wins, no conference wins, and undrafted, undrafted, and then barely has a job in professional football. I mean, he's a – is he the third string for for the Saskatoon, the CFL? Oh, my God, that pronunciation, my guy. Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. Yeah, okay. Good. Sorry, my bad. Um, he's a rough rider. Yeah. So he's a second string now. He was the third string when he first came on board. Yeah. But, um, and he got some stars when their guy went down. Yeah. So Mason Fine, the story with him was he was really good for the Mean Green um, and kind of responsible for reviving UNT football during that time period, him and Latrell. But at the same time, didn't really accomplish anything for like no. for the program. Not a lot of accolades. No. So uh, it's a coin flip for me as to yeah. whether or not number six should go up there. Yeah. And, you know, the big thing to me that you mentioned is that when you look at the other three guys that have their, their uh, names retired and their numbers retired, Ray Renfro played a bunch of seasons in the NFL Abner Haynes played a bunch of seasons in the NFL. Joe Green is probably the best nose guard of all time. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. So, so they all have something to say for themselves outside of UNT. And, and I don't think you can say the same for Mason Fine. So, yeah, I don't. I think I don't he might be a little bit of an outlier there. 
he's probably had a he's had a very respectable career in the CFL, I believe. Uh, got a great career at UNT, but yeah, I I agree. I think you got to do a little more to get your number retired, especially somewhere like UNT. You got to do things above and beyond the call of duty. Like I know you don't know this because you don't follow you don't follow softball like I do. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> like if if they wanted to retire a number for softball, I still think it should have been it should be Hope Troutwine. I mean, what she did for the program alone was huge with the twenty one strikeout perfect game, like the only time that's ever been done in NCAA baseball or or softball. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that if they wanted to retire that number seven, which if they if they did, they'd have to tell Mackenzie Childers to get a new number. But <laughs> but uh, if they wanted to retire that, that makes sense because of what she did for the program. Obviously, in softball, there's not really a valid uh, professional league yet. They got a couple of leagues right now, but they've not really taken off that great. Um, but, you know, obviously she did transfer to Oklahoma. So that does make things a little bit. I don't yeah, want to say. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. About... It's, it's it's weird and and things like that because you say okay, she's like no doubt the best pitcher that has ever taken the circle for for UNT ever holds yeah. pretty much all the pitching records you can hold for UNT. But she did transfer to Oklahoma for her COVID year. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of like this might be a bad comparison, but um, Baker Mayfield is known for being Oklahoma's quarterback. Right. Yep. He's not known for being Tech's quarterback because he transferred. No. Yeah. He transferred. And so the same thing can be said for pretty much every major athlete, major pro athlete that transferred when they were in college for the most part. They're usually remembered for the last program, the program that they transferred to, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I so, don't think any, yeah. I don't think if, if you didn't follow UNT at that time, because unfortunately, UNT's busy, busiest. UNT's biggest success came after Hope Troutwine left. That's kind of the hard thing about that situation because you go, okay, let's look at the accolades of Hope Troutwine. She never really they, – they won a couple of CUSA titles. If 2019 or 2020 doesn't get canceled before the tournament, they probably go to their first NCAA tournament, but they never went to the NCAA tournament uh, and, until the, literally the year after she left. So the legacy of Hope Troutwine will always be, oh, yeah, she played in North Texas and she was great. But then she went to Oklahoma and won a national title and was pretty much their best player all season. I mean, that wasn't named Jocelyn Allo, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's that. I mean, just looking back to that Oklahoma team. Oh, my God. How do you have Hope Troutwine, great pitcher, uh, and also the most prolific home run hitter in softball history? Like that's unfair uh and unt played them that season and got washed um and hope troutwine got the final out of the game so that was a nice little in your face moment yeah i think um you know in full transparency i don't follow unt softball i think the UNT sports are far probably you see my tweets and football yeah. i see them i see them but on top of that i also remember seeing the mean green softball team being featured on major sports outlets like ESPN and so forth. And I remember seeing, you know, Hope Trotline in the headlines. And that's as someone who doesn't pay attention, I still remember it because of, you know, the media attention they got from her and the program just overall being pretty good. Um, So, you know, she definitely had an impact on, on, on the program. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, 
especially for a, a G5 program uh, that's not football to get attention. That's a big deal. I mean, she was like, a fe- yeah. she was featured on SportsCenter. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Like, like, it was something that everybody was talking about. And of, co- <laughs> of course, the publication I wrote for at the time, I got out my brief and then uh, it didn't go up for eight hours. But, you know, I still got it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah we'll, we'll, yeah we'll talk about the north texas daily in a little bit but. yeah and, and yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know what to say that's like forrest gump that's all i have to say about that i appreciate my time at the daily um, <laughs> i do i do but waiting that long for recaps to get out or briefs was just yeah <sighs> all right let's move on uh, I think uh, you you said later, but Milo, we're already to your segment. I think it's Ooh. time to get to check that timing and get your take. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. Ooh, all right, all right. Well, uh, Milo's take been uh, controversial to say the least, in a sense where <laughs> the takes haven't really turned out very good. Um, I don't know if it's week, controversial. I just think you're not good at it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. The, yeah, the, I, I would say that my takes have been total ass. I don't think they've been very good at all. There you uh, go. But I think this one's a pretty fair take this week. Um, a couple weeks ago, my very first take was Texas overrated? Question mark. And um, they take their first loss to Oklahoma. Oh, um, for the love of God! You know, and I, I think they kind of flip flop. Oklahoma jumps to number five from 14, if I'm not, or 12. I don't know what they were the previous week, but Oklahoma was anywhere between 10 and 14, I think. They jump all the way to number five after beating this Texas team. Um, Like I said, I still stand by my take. This is kind of an affirmation. I'm kind of reaffirming my initial take that Texas is overrated this week. Uh, They drop all the way to number nine. Um, is the college football playoff hope and dream? Are, are the hopes and dreams of the college football playoff gone for Texas? No, I, I told you. Th- okay, and so there's <laughs> there's this little screenshot from the group chat we like to share, uh, and I say we, you like to share, to where <laughs> I said if Texas beats Alabama, they're probably looking at twelve and zero or eleven and one. <laughs> until they until they lose again, I'd stand by that. Okay, well, you know, you're getting Texas is getting kind of close because um, the top five teams are all undefeated, um, and I don't really see them losing. Um, granted, I haven't checked their schedules at all, but I think it's safe to say that Georgia and Michigan are probably going to be undefeated. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if Georgia wins out. I don't know. But I, I do think it's probably going to be pretty damn hard for Texas to come back in that top five. Uh, but they're doing the top 12. They're doing the 12-team the format this year, right? No, that's next year. That's next year? Okay, yeah. So yeah. still college football playoff. You know, they got four teams. I don't think Texas is in those four. I don't. I think I think they might fall probably slightly out. Uh yeah, here's I my th- think, here's my thing, Milo. Here's my so. thing. 
they have to win out, no doubt. There's no doubt about that. You can't lose twice and go to the college football playoff unless your name are, unless your team name is the Alabama Crimson Tide or the Georgia Bulldogs. You can't do it. Um, here's my thing. Texas has got to win out, and they have to draw Oklahoma in the Big 12 title and then beat them. There's no way they make the playoffs if they don't fair. beat Oklahoma again. They got to beat Oklahoma again. They got to avenge that loss. And then That's if Oklahoma fair. turns out to be mid, and they and you know they lose a couple of games down the line, then that looks god awful for Texas. I mean that's disastrous for Texas if that happens, yeah. you know. So I don't know. In my opinion, doesn't eleven and two Texas make it? No, but uh, a twelve and one Texas with a title probably still makes it because you know you got to think about Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other, so one of them are going to lose. Um, you know, and then just going down the the other AP people in this thing. And you also got to realize these are the AP rankings when the college football playoff committee gets together. Yeah, that's not the committee. Yeah, we know that dumb shit ensues. And I know I'll have to (laughs) censor myself for the second time today. But, (laughs) but, yeah, dumb shit, and I'll reiterate that, does ensue when when the college football playoff committee gets together. We all remember when Baylor and TCU beat each other and then finished 5-6 because the Big 12 didn't have a title game. I believe that was in 2014. 14 i want to say um but you know florida state they still got a tough road ahead oklahoma's got a gauntlet uh ahead of for them as well penn state i'm not sold on washington and oregon play each other so like the people in front of texas who now sits at number nine after that loss you know there is a route to to getting back to the top four and to the college football playoff i think texas really needs to focus if they just win if they just focus on what they're doing and win do you know who i think they got to worry about who the university of southern california because oh, yeah. us usc's mid let, let, let's get this right unt's offense or usc's offense <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, a unt play uh usc's offense is different they're they're very good they'll put up 40 plus points every game they play USC's defense is the worst thing I've ever seen on the gridiron. It, it, <laughs> it is god awful. Well, they USC, almost lost to Arizona State, right? They made that true freshman Fifita look like he was <laughs> Jesus in cleats. Like that kid was putting on a show. Jacob Cowing, do you remember him? Former UTEP receiver? No. Okay. <laughs> he, was a, he was a former UTEP receiver. Uh, he transferred to Arizona. And he's been killing it for them. He killed it against USC. Yeah, I remember you said something about him. Yeah, I I put that on Twitter. And uh, what's it called? USC's defense is just, that's what's holding them back. But if USC somehow cluster lucks their way into like 13-0 with a Pac-12 title, they're in. Yeah, they're they're in. Like, that's the dumb thing that you can have the worst defense in the world, but because you have Caleb Williams, who will probably guide you to ten plus wins this season, USC will probably be in. Well, I can guarantee you the media is going to do everything they can to push a narrative that Caleb Williams has to be in the college football playoff. Well, I mean that's a, he's that's the a golden good child of the NCAA of the NCAA for it's good, a good reason. Narrative, yeah, for good reason. Yeah. And here, here, uh, you guys always say that I'm glazing, but like here, here's my big. My big take, Caleb Williams is the most talented quarterback to ever take the field in college football. John Fields hates that 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 uh, take, but that's that's Reed's take this week. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I think you have a fair point because I know the comparison to him this entire time has been Patty Mahomes, right? But Mahomes was nowhere near as dominant as Caleb Williams has been in college. Yeah, for sure. And you could say that Mahomes was playing tougher competition in the, in the Big 12. But at the same time, that was the era in which the Big 12 didn't play defense. So, yeah, you know. It was interesting to say the least. It's an interesting comparison. I mean, there's when I think it's a good sign when people are, wow, what quarterback have I seen do what he's doing before? What quarterback looks like him? And the only comparison they can think of is probably who's going to be the best quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. I think you're sitting pretty in terms of best of all time discussions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I definitely think so. Um, I think you've got a strong case for making that argument, right? The most – most talented quarterback ever to play in college. Yeah. And of course you got to look at accolades. He doesn't have a title yet, but he does have a Heisman. If he wins, the he's probably going to win another one. Yeah. If he, if he's the first to win the Heisman two times in a row uh, since Archie Griffin, then yeah, I think that cements exactly what I'm saying. That He's the best quarterback yeah. at college I've ever seen. And does yeah. that translate to the next level? Who knows, but he's got the tools. We know that. Who knows? And we've seen that. We've seen that a lot where players dominate, absolutely crushed competition in college. They're projected to be really good in the NFL and they're not nearly as good. Uh, but I think Caleb Williams, I think the skill set that he has and, and what he's shown in college, he will most definitely be fine in the NFL. I think. Yeah. And he's built like a brick house. So yeah. like, you know, injuries probably won't be a big issue. Um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I have to say about your take this week. I think Texas still has a path to the college football playoff. I don't think they're mid yet. Um, if they lose to anyone else, yeah, they're mid because their schedule ahead is really easy. Nobody is ranked in, in their schedule ahead. So theoretically, they should just win out, go 11-1, and one, make the Big 12 title game, and then we'll see what happens after that. Either way, a New Year's Six Bowl seems to be inevitable for uh texas i would love a texas usc like cotton bowl i think that would be really cool um a game that i would i would definitely attend my family are half texas half unt or not half unt my my family's kind of weird so it's like my mom's texas my dad's usc my older sister and about to be brother-in-law unt and then my oldest sister and her husband are baylor people so lots of college football in my family but usc texas would certainly be a game that we would we would spend the money to go to uh, with my family. So that's kind of you a game. Would, you wouldn't spend the money to go go see UNT versus SMU? Uh, we'll wait until the att- <laughs> we'll, we'll wait we'll wait until we see the the attendance numbers on November tenth, and then yeah. and then I'll let you know yeah. if, if, if I would go. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. Okay, um, I know that we're yeah. veering off the the beaten path very much, but I just want to ask you this question. When SMU goes to the ACC, do you think their attendance actually goes up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you're talking about bringing schools in like Clemson now to Ford Stadium? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the level of competition now, instead of playing against schools like um, when they were playing against schools like Tulane, right? I'm trying not to use the, uh, the elephant in the room, but – you know, they go from playing schools like Tulane and um, now UTSA. Who, who, who else is um, in the American Athletic Conference, Milo? I, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying schools like UNT. I'm not going to say it. But, 
But anyways, you go from playing schools like that to schools like Clemson, teams that have won a national championship <laughs> in recent memory, right? Not teams that have mm-hmm. won a national championship like four decades ago, but schools that are good now. And you bring those in, I promise you the attendance is going to go up. Now, by how much? I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying that they're going to sell out the stadium every night, but I think the attendance is going to go up. And right yeah. And and listen, I know Michael Rezco is probably pissed about it that SMU paid their way out of the conference, but I mean, this is what that's this is what the American Athletic Conference has been. They are a development league, which is why it's good that UNT is in it because teams develop in the AAC and the AAC has a now a huge track record of telling that, you know, they've had now five teams that develop and, and get to power five conferences there. And, you know, getting the, getting the reputation is like a, it's like a leapfrog conference. I don't think that's anything to stick your nose at, up at, you know? No, I think uh, it's a development conference. It's not a, yeah. it's not a conference like the Sun Belt or conference USA. It's a step up from that. And yeah. it's definitely a good place to be given their track record. Um, and I think UNT, I think the conference is in okay hands, right? They didn't lose, they didn't lose Tulane, which has been a very good program in the past year or so. Um, and they also didn't lose Memphis to Memphis for basketball. That's huge. Um, losing SMU does kind of suck because they, you know, they, they did have all the money and they were somewhat of a reputable school. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the AAC is still in pretty good shape. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know, even if they're not in good shape, then they're, they're still going to develop themselves into being where they want to be. Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day. And, you know, if we're just going to give a 20-year plan, I think UNT, they have two goals here. Develop your programs, and specifically football and men's basketball. Develop them in the American Athletic Conference. And then two... Uh, you know, if we're looking at a 10, 20 year plan, you know, maybe branch out to another, another conference, a P five, if you're, if you're good enough, but you know, they have to get fans, they have to get asses and seats. I mean, that's, that's the lowdown oh, yeah. of it. They have yeah. to get asses and seats because they don't have the SMU advantage that it doesn't matter how SMU's attendance has been the last two years. doesn't matter. Moot point at this point. They had them. They just got money, and UNT has neither. They don't have asses and seats, and they don't have money. So, (laughs) so you know, now is the time while you're in a conference that is known for developing teams to develop your fan base because UNT's fan base is one of the worst in the country. And I I know that I'm like, I don't know about worst in the country, but I think I mean I don't want to listen. I don't want to bite the hand that feeds us, obviously, because our listeners yeah. are mostly UNT fans. And I think the UNT fans that are fans of UNT and do consume my content are very, very good fans. But I'm talking about the fans and the average student. You know, most of the fans of UNT, when they sell, a, when they sell out a stadium, which they haven't done, but when they fill a stadium, it's mostly people that are casuals that don't care about UNT unless it's a special occasion like homecoming or last week was family yeah. night or the, or the two weeks ago, you know. You got to have those students care about the team. You have to get those alumni to care about the team. And how do you do that? You win. And if they start winning, then they'll start getting those asses and seats that they need to take the next step in in their development. But, 
you know, they're not going anywhere if they can't get generate fan interest. Yeah. And I, I think basketball is definitely on, on the right track for that. Definitely in better shape than football uh, in terms of UNT sure. um, basketball. They've done a good job for as much as we like to on the mean green maniacs. They did a pretty damn good job bringing in, bringing in students, making them care. Like you said, um, and the attendance yeah. figures were up. The attendance figures were up. They almost, uh, what was it? Did they almost sell out um, the pit a couple of years ago when they, they brought in Louisiana tech? Yeah, they, I, I believe that was like a 98%, like 2% away from being a sell. And there that were times crazy. there were times last season, which was my uh, first year on the UNT basketball beat, uh, because I previously didn't report basketball for some reason. Um, it was my first time on that beat, and, you know, there were some electric games. You know, during during that NIT run, there were some some good arenas for for especially when it was in, in, in that time around spring break. So – you know, I think that UNT basketball is definitely on the right on the right trajectory. I think Ross Hodge is just a chip off the old McCaslin block, um, and they need to prove something in the AAC this year. And I truly believe that they will. I know that poll came out the other day; um, they got them finishing like sixth. I think that's a little low, to be honest. With yeah, you. I saw that. I do think that's a little low. Um, I get that. It's the McCaslin was... penalty. I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And there's. Um... You know, you don't want to rank them too high, especially when they got a new head coach coming in. I mean, yeah, he's not sure. new, but they, they've got a new new head coach, essentially. Um, yeah. You don't know how this team is, will play under him, right? Yeah, for um, sure. And So we'll, we'll see. But I do yeah. think that, that it is a little bit too low. Who was ranked above them, out of curiosity? Because I don't remember. I remember seeing the list, but I don't remember who was ranked above them. Um, I need to go back and look at it right now. I retweeted it, but it's not – off the uh, top of my head, yeah, uh, I don't know it. So let me just uh, look back. FAU was picked to win. I think you know they obviously don't think they're a flash in the pan. They're they're bringing back a lot of their guys. You know, John L. Davis is coming back. That bi- <laughs> that big mo. I was about to say. I was about to have to bleep myself again. That big man of uh, Vladislav <laughs> Goldin is coming back. But uh, ahead of UNT was Eastern Carolina. Don't agree with that. UAB, don't agree with that. Tulane, okay. Uh, and Memphis. I, I get why they said Memphis and Florida Atlantic will finish, or Florida Atlantic and Memphis, rather, will finish 1-2 because, you know, they, they made it the furthest in yeah. the tournament last year. But at the same time, UNT did win the NIT. And I know that's March Madness Jr., but UNT did win the NIT. And I think that third spot is about where they belong. I, I know they lost Kai Huntsbury. They lost Tyler Perry. But there's still a lot of talent on that Mean Green squad. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do agree that UNC should probably be in that three spot behind FAU and Memphis. Um, I disagree and do not think East Carolina – is that what you said, East Carolina? Yep. Um, they should not be above UNC. Um, UAB should not be above UNC either because UNC beat them, right? They beat them in, in the uh, mini March Madness – and then yeah. on top of that, um, no more jelly, no more jelly. Right? Yeah, no that's jelly. a good point. That's a good point. So I don't think UAB is going to be as competitive. Um, at the same time, I also think that UNT they've got a good amount to prove. Right? Yeah, I think they've they've got a, they've got a fair amount to prove, but they're no slouch. Right? They lost a couple guys. They lost their big their big player in Perry. Uh, like you said, they still got a good chunk of 
good chunk of players there. They got Stone that's probably looking to take the next step as well. Yeah, um, Ruben Jones. Ruben as well. See if he can get Pollard. going in his, his final year, right? Yeah, and yeah, the, I think a big thing is that um, is that they get a full year of of Musa Sissoko starting. Obviously, Musa kind of found his way um, above Abu down the down the stretch there, and Abu, of course, transferred. Um, but Musa has been really, really solid for them. Uh, or why am I saying Musa? Mulai uh, has been really good for them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that. I get why they're six. Don't don't get me wrong. I get why they're six. But I mean, if you're if we're gonna project the start starting five right now, you're probably looking at you're probably looking at Ruben Jones, I would say. Then probably John Bugs, starting at guard, right? Then really underrated Aaron Scott at forward. Aaron Scott's just solid. And Didn't he win defensive that- rookie of the year? He did. He did. Uh, yeah. And he had a really solid season last year. Really improved from three. Uh, you probably get Matthew Stone in there for a three-guard look. And then that leaves Aaron Scott and Mulai on the court uh, uh, for your big guys on the court. Uh, Aaron being a stretch and Mulai being a true center. Well, it's UNT. Credit to Abu Usman. Abu Usman was a solid player. Mulai Sissoko is a true center. You know, he, he was everything that, that Abu kind of wasn't. He's big. He's solid. He, he dominates the paint, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that will be big for them. I mean, that's a so- solid starting five. But like I said, I think that's a McCaslin penalty. They don't know what to expect. So the safe bet is to put them directly in the middle of the conference. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think UNT basketball in general has been underrated for a few years. Um, I remember even at the start of last season, they were ranked pretty low. Um, and they definitely proved them wrong. So yeah. I'm not really too concerned about UNT basketball. I think it's definitely a bright spot for the university that they're they're coming up clutch now and they're actually winning games, and they're they're making presence they're making their presence known in big games, right, on yeah. national television. You talk about winning games that matter, right? When you bring in a big crowd, win. UNT basketball has been able to do that. Their football has not, and I am confident that basketball i'm confident in saying that yeah i'm a unt alum come march madness season right come come basketball season i'm pretty confident saying that yeah i graduated from unt this is my school that um you know i would be okay with rapping yeah 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 and I think just to wrap our thoughts on that, I do think UNT is going to do better in six this season. I think they make waves in the AAC. I think Ross Hodge is going to be solid for them. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. Um, I mean, we'll just have to see. Who knows? It it could turn out that, um, you know, the team doesn't play, team totally plays different from when they have McCaslin behind the bench. Right. For sure. Um, For sure. But all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, everybody's favorite section, uh, Cornball of the Week. Let's go. All right, you want me to start? I would like start. you to start. Who's your Cornball? Um, this one might, might, be a little bit, might be a little bit longer, um, but it's not just one person. I mentioned the North Texas Daily. I want to get into them again. I know we've talked about the NT Daily before on this podcast. Um, 
I am going to keep the sports related. North Texas Daily needs to stop putting intercollegiate sports on the front page of their newspapers. And I'm sure you can agree with me. Why is there a volleyball story? Intercollegiate volleyball. Intercollegiate volleyball. Thank you. Intercollegiate volleyball. Why is there a story of that on the front page and not football? Regardless of team won or lost, if team won or lost, they played Navy. Why not put why not put the score on the front cover or something? Right? Yeah. And I mean, when I was an editor, uh, which I was for about two years, uh, I was in the North Texas Daily for three years. I was I was the editor for two years. I always wanted to emphasize um, newsworthiness above all. Do I think that people read the physical paper or even read the online paper very much? No, but I still think it should have been. If we're committed to being newsworthy, you put the most newsworthy things up front, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Um, they have not done a good job at that. They have. I mean, they, put, they put club hockey on the front page one time over over yeah. your story, right? And you're and you're a hockey guy, and it wasn't I'm a that huge it was hockey my... fan. Yeah, you're a big hockey guy. I'm a big hockey guy. My beloved girlfriend plays hockey, <laughs> <laughs> but she plays real hockey. For uh, okay, I don't want to say that. I, okay, yeah. Every, yeah. every hockey is real. She plays actual NCAA sanctioned hockey. Let me say yeah. that. Um, but. My thing is, yeah, I, I think that if you have, uh, specifically in that incident, uh, I, I would have liked to have a softball story on the cover. Many people in that room felt that that was my bias showing that because I reported softball that that I wanted my story on the cover. That's not the case. Uh, John Schmogged, the McGloffy McGloofy could have written it. I don't care. Some random ass person could have written it. I don't think I want to put a club sport on the front page. And I just think that when you're trying to teach kids and trying to teach people, Hey, you need to be newsworthy and always make sure to put newsworthy things on the cover. And at the end of the day, like, like just across journalism classes, Milo, how many times did you hear somebody be like, yeah, if it's not newsworthy, then just like put it front and center. Who cares? Never. Right. Never. No. As a matter of fact, I had, I mean, I had several professors that sometimes I'd pitch a, um, a news story idea to them and they'd shut it down immediately. They'd be like, no, nah, not really newsworthy. I don't think very many people care about it. Right. They would actually take points off your story assignments in grading if it wasn't newsworthy. I've gotten, a, so, I've gotten points off for that. Did you ever oh, yeah. get points off? Yeah. I, I, oh, think yeah, I, reported, I definitely did. I, yeah. I reported like something about, I think ticket prices and it wasn't like super relevant at that time. And my professor took off like five points and was like, uh, you need to find something more people actually care about. And I was like, yeah. it hurt. It's it tough. Hurt a little it bit, hurts. but like, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. And I don't know if it's more of a, I don't know, maybe, maybe North, the NT daily is kind of treating it as a, let's try and give everyone a shot. Right. Maybe, you know, Oh, well, this writer has been working really hard and they haven't been on the front page yet. So let's put them on. Maybe yeah. that's the way they're handling it, but I still don't think that's the right way to go about it because no. you want to keep your lead stories front page should be the most newsworthy. Right. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I mean, I remember I mean, my most notable thing was I made the front page as a column 
I wrote a column. It got put on the front page, but it was because it was. It was about reading. men's basketball. It was about March, men's basketball making March Madness. Yeah, right? if that's it was a big just deal. Your, your every your everyday uh, UNT basketball column, that's not really that relevant. I mean, it's not really newsworthy. It's just my opinion. But it was the yeah. fact that it was the team making March Madness for the first time in God knows. I think it was like almost a decade. Um, you know, that was huge. That was newsworthy. And that's why yeah. it belonged on the front page. But to put and- a sport like club hockey on the front page or, or intercollegiate volleyball not very many people know or quite frankly care about it i'm, I'm sorry and, and let me say this as a former editor those club sports absolutely deserve coverage they deserve coverage and they got coverage under when polo whatever when unt polo did something uh won the national title um i had an arts and life writer write that story we got it out it was a good story um but if I'm looking at that was concurrent to UNT winning the NIT. If I'm going, hmm, well, let's think about this. What do I want to put on the cover? Uh, UNT winning a NCAA sanctioned tournament or a polo championship? And, you know, it's sad, it's sad that we have to talk about it like that. It is. It's true. Yeah. And I know yeah. and I get I get what they're trying to do. Um, I, I get it. And they have put out some really good content. But here's the damnedest thing. In that same paper that they had a little thingy that was like, they had that story on the cover. And I'm sure it was a well-written story. I'm sure it was a good story. Credit to whoever wrote that. I know you're working yeah. your ass off. I've, I've been in that grind before, and I know it's not easy. Um, so credit to you. And we're not, we're not talking shit about him or, or no. who wrote that. You know, that's no, it's really just the, the, the editor's choice to, to put yeah. it on the front page. My thing, yeah. my thing is they had a really cool story. I read this one about a sports nutritionist uh, who's like been very good, who has been like changed the way that the U- UNT is eating. If I'm reading that, and that was like in the, the what they called it, where, where the, what's it called? Where, that was a jump. So that was like turn to page six for more. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that story on the cover, the the nutrition one, because that's something I'm interested in. I read, wow. I like when I saw it on Twitter, I was like, wow, the I, I never really thought about a sports nutrition. Yeah, you know? I thought the same way. <laughs> yeah. That's something that's interesting. That's something that's newsworthy. Um, and that's not to disparage intercollegiate UNT volleyball. I just, you know, if I wanted to go to the rec center and interview a couple of players, then I, I would do that. But yeah. I don't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's really newsworthiness is kind of, kind of a subjective topic, um, especially in sports. Yeah, especially in sports. And, and for people yeah. that don't know better about sports, I can see why they would think that it was it was a bigger deal than anything else. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. Which, um, you know, between you and I and the few people that listen to this podcast. I'm not too sure there's a whole lot of people in that NT Daily newsroom that actually comprehend what sport is newsworthy and which sports should be considered newsworthy. Yeah, I'm not too confident that there's a good chunk of people in the newsroom that, that do have an awareness of that. Now, back when we were part of NT Daily, there it was a good aware. amount of people. Yeah, there hyper was a big aware. awareness about that. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of factors that play into putting a story like intercollegiate volleyball on the front page um, yeah. and that the makeup of the newsroom is probably a big factor. 
yeah, and credit to all of them. I know they those Tuesday nights aren't easy to anybody. I respect what they're doing a lot, but um, at the same time, yeah. I mean, after we we had done the grind and all that, it is a little bit disappointing to um, to to see that that bigger sports stories aren't being are not not that they're not being covered, but they're not being pushed. So that that's all I'm saying. I think what what we're trying to say here is that we think that the daily and the paper is a great opportunity to start. That's where you and I both got our start, really. Um, is with the daily. It's a great opportunity. I appreciated my time there a lot. I, I grew a lot as a journalist and a person there. Um, but it, you got to use the tool correctly and you got to teach kids the correct way to do things and what is newsworthy and what is not. And in my opinion and, and in your opinion, uh, putting intercollegiate sports on the, on the front page, isn't really doing that because you wouldn't do that for a news story. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, thanks for the disclaimer too, by the way, because that definitely just kind of reassures that I really enjoyed my time at the North yeah. Texas Daily. Like I said, you did too. A lot of fun, but nevertheless, their sports coverage this season and their utilization of sports stories has been something to desire. I mean, it, it, it's kind of left something to desire there. Um, yeah, to be for just- sure. Yeah, sure. so that's that's my cornball of the week. <laughs> the North Texas yeah. cornballs of the week. So yeah, that's that's the cornball of the week. <laughs> we go on the okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So now you need to give yours because I'm very. We interested. might we might hear about this one. Um. <laughs> anyway, they're getting blocked if I hear about it. Um, for this year's uh for this week's cornball of the week, I'm going Mario Cristobal. Uh, head coach of the University of Miami Hurricanes. Uh, they lost to Georgia Tech last Saturday. <laughs> <because> yeah. That... <laughs> they had the ball with just over a minute left. Georgia Tech had no timeouts. Mario Cristobal runs the ball. His running back fumbles it. Georgia Tech gets it back. And they win with a Hail Mary with two seconds to go. Yeah. I'm just kind of rewatching this right now. You got. <laughs> Half a minute left to go, and you're running the ball. Um, and you threw what it was third and ten, third and ten. Yep. And you you run the ball on third and ten instead of taking a knee, call it a quit, saying good game. You run the ball and you turn it over, and now you're sitting there and you're going, Oh, well, it's Georgia Tech. Um, I don't think they're gonna score here, and they did. And they throw Hail Mary, and, and it's complete. Um, I mean, that's that's cornball material right there. That's cornball thinking. That's a good pick. What makes it even more cornbally is that the quarterback for Georgia Tech was <laughs> former Texas A&M man, Haynes King. Oh, I remember him. I think I remember, you remember Haynes him. King. Yeah. So, Mario Cristobal, sir, you are my cornball of the week. Just kneel the damn ball, man. You win the game if you kneel the damn ball. Why are you putting it in God's hands? Yeah. Kneel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, your uh, your cornball of the week take is definitely definitely uh, a much safer pick than mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going for what wouldn't piss people off this week. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, I see things and figure why not talk about it here. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's an open forum, and if you're putting your stuff out for what's it called for for consumption, then you are open to uh, criticism. Lord knows we've taken yeah. our fair share of criticism. Um, everybody remembers 
my the responses I got for the cut Austinani some slack story. A lot of people didn't think we should have to cut Austinani slack. <laughs> so so that was that. But I think we're kind of running long here. This is the longest episode of another mean podcast. Uh, another mean, mean another podcast. mean podcast. Yeah. Another yeah. We are another mean podcast after what we just did. Watch me get expelled. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we are another mean podcast. But this is another episode done. Uh, this is episode four. I'm I'm proud of us, man. We're consistent as hell. Yeah, we're uh, yeah. we're pretty pretty well structured here. All right, and I have seen our listener base grow in the last few weeks. So to our listeners, we appreciate you very much. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, if you are not already a Mean Green twenty four seven VIP, please show your support and become please, a VIP. Please, <laughs> I'm begging you, please. If you're not already a VIP, please become one. Uh, I would appreciate if you did. If you are a VIP, you get access to exclusive content written by yours truly about the UNT Mean Green for all of their athletic seasons going forward. I usually make away game stories VIP only, so if you want to get the full coverage of your favorite North Texas team, then become a VIP today. Uh, this podcast is available across all major spot uh, podcast platforms. Uh, we're we're popping on Spotify right now. SoundCloud, Apple Music has recently been working a little bit after it was still called the Tuesday Talk. It finally realized that we are called another Mean Green Podcast now. Um, so we got that operational. Still trying to figure out YouTube at this point. We'll see. Um, but other than that, thank you for listening to another Mean Green Podcast episode four. We'll see if UNT can pull it out against Temple this weekend. They really need to. Whatever happens, Milo and I will be back next week discussing what happened and being here to give you your favorite takes in the mean green. All right, guys. See you later.